welcome to Popcorn for One. Grab your popcorn and make sure you are sitting comfortably. Popcorn for One is about to review some classic and not so classic movies for you all to enjoy. It may even make you want to watch some of these. Hi everyone, welcome back to Popcorn for One's podcast. This is episode two. Episode one was more of an introduction as to what we're going to be doing, but from now on, we're in the swing of things. So let's let you know how this last fortnight's gone. Let's give you a quick run through as to what you're going to expect to listen to today. So we're going to start off by talking about news from the last fortnight, going through some of the things you've seen, some of the things you haven't, and some of the things that you just need to catch up on. Then we're going to have a run through as to the films I've seen over the last two weeks up to yesterday. Uh, so that will literally be a quick, I've seen this, it was okay. I've seen that, it's dated. Then we're going to have a big chat about the BAFTAs, see what happened there. It's all very exciting. Um, then I'm going to give you four mini reviews out of the list of what I've previously ran down as to what you should watch. Each one's going to be about a minute, two minutes long. So then um, you can think about whether you're going to watch that. Then we're going to look at what's number one in the box office. Obviously, at the moment, that's not the case. So it's more of the DVD streaming sales. Then we're going to have the main review, the film that you all want to listen to, which I will tell you will be what it will be at the point when we run through what I've seen. And that will be that for this fortnight. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? Time for the news for the last fortnight. The main news in the UK is the fact that all these pubs have reopened, which is brilliant. You can go and have a pint, you can go and have a socially distanced walk with six other people now properly. But this means that because we've got to this step, it is five weeks to go until cinemas. May 17th is still on track, still the case. The other big news about the fact that cinemas reopening is the fact that they have reopened in America. I know. They've been shut, basically, unless it's an independent or a film festival, since last February, since the Oscars. So the fact that that's opened up and that the main cinema chain there is the cinema chain that I go to here in the UK means that come May 17th, I'm going to be able to sit in that reclining chair with my popcorn, even if I'm wearing a face mask and a latte, and climb back in my chair and watch Cruella. And it's going to be fabulous. And you're not going to see me for ages because I'll be in dark room all summer. Wonderful, isn't it? So that is the huge cinema news. Um, the big Netflix news of the fortnight is that they have purchased the rights to make two Knives Out films. I know. Oh, my God. So we're going to be getting two more films um, done by Rian Johnson and starring Daniel Craig as a detective. And... Hopefully, we're all going to be as twisty and that you're not going to see with that coming or this coming. You're all going to sit and go, ah, and you're going to be on this proper ride with it. So hopefully, that is big and that is going to make more people buy Netflix. And hopefully, it's not the death of cinema if they bought a franchise like that, but it should be good. Obviously, it is huge news that cinemas are reopening, but we now know that Black Widow isn't going to open in two weeks' time around the world. It is going to open in July, and that is going to be one of the films that I'm going to have most people ask me, do you want to come and watch this with me or ask for a recommendation towards it? I'm pretty sure of that. Um, my mum is still the first person I'm going to go to see that with. I promised her months ago, so that's the case. Bond move forward by a week here in the UK, so that's quite good. Um, but Mission Impossible 7 and 8 both moved back. Mission Impossible 7 was meant to be coming out at the end of the year, um, but that's now not the case. So that has now moved back to May 2022, and the film that was meant to come out in May 2022 is coming out in spring 2023, even though that's currently being made already. It's probably half done. It's nearly done and dusted. So lots of Mission Impossible films. Um, there are a few good April Fools going around over the last two, well, on April Fools' Day before the Easter weekend. Um, the best one of the lot, which was formulated, was that Paddington Bear tweeted that he didn't like marmalade anymore. <laughs> Seriously, if you have five minutes, I would find Paddington Bear on Twitter and I would give him a follow or just go through his tweets because 
if you wake up and you feel horrendous and you're having a down day and you just put on Paddington's Twitter feed, you just read two, three tweets, you just feel so much better in yourself and so much more positive. And the fact that, you know, he's having an April Fool and literally the entire world, oh my God, Paddington doesn't like marmalade, was just ah, fabulous. So that was the best April Fool I saw film related. Um, we have um, Loki that finally now has a release date, which will be come to Disney Plus soon, which will be just before Black Widow starts. So that's good. I have a lovely copy of Empire Magazine sitting next to me with Tom Hiddleston's face on, which I will be reading later, cover to cover, and just going, oh, oh Tom, yay, Loki's back. Um, so that is... It, you know that there's BAFTAs, which I'm going to have a section to talk about, which is the majority of what the news actually is this month, which we will get to in a minute. Um, The only other bit of news is that I have some personal film news. I now own my top 10 favourite films all on DVD, which is something I have never done before. It took me till when I moved out a couple of weeks ago to realise I don't have them all, mainly because I was, because one of them is always on TV and one of them my parents actually own. So it wasn't something that I actually had. So when I moved out, um, my sister, where I live, has, is slightly, well, it's not linked to one of the films, but it's got, a, where I live, has got a swan in the title. Um, she got me artwork that says, it's just a one swan, actually. And I realised I didn't own Hot Fuzz. So that has now been rectified. So I now own my top 10 films on DVD. As I'm here and I've got a bit of time, I may as well tell you what the top 10 currently is. The top 10 films of all time, in my opinion, are 10, The Empire Strikes Back. Eight, Hot Fuzz. Nine, Hot Fuzz. Eight, Captain Marvel. Seven, Die Hard. Six, Anchorman. Five, Jojo Rabbit. Four, Moon. Two, no, three, The Departed. Two, The Born Ultimatum. And the greatest film of all time is Inception. So I own them all on DVD. I own Inception twice, actually. I have it on Blu-ray as well because you never have enough of Christopher Nolan. So that is this week's news. Let's now have a quick run through of the films that I've been watching this week. I said a week, I meant fortnight, my bad. So this is just going to literally be two or three words on each film that I've watched in the last fortnight. Um, And then I will be giving you four mini reviews later on and then a main review. So we're going to start off by telling you about Four Weddings and Funeral, 90s, looking dated, Hugh Grant's still a star. It's good. Searching. Interesting. Um, really makes you think about how you leave a social media track behind and would anyone be able to find you? The Nice Guys, 70s, romance, bit dodgy, but you laugh through all the awkwardness. It's just generally a feel good, ooh, ooh, let's see where we're going kind of film, which is always good. Four Lions, not everyone's cup of tea. It's about um, terrorists, but aren't very good terrorists. But being British, they take the mickey out of the fact that they are very bad terrorists. Uh, There's Ahmed's um, piece of art, in my opinion. I haven't yet seen Sound of Metal. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Get ready for an unpopular opinion. I prefer this to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm sorry, but I think it's because of when it came out and the fact that I was a bit emo and it reminds me of my teen years and Johnny Depp was peak Johnny Depp because he'd just been Jack Sparrow and Tim Burton was everywhere. So I prefer this to Willy Wonka. And they trained squirrels, actual squirrels. Lost Girls, available on Netflix. Didn't know much about it going into it. I was actually quite glad that I didn't because afterwards when I watched it, when I read up on it afterwards, I was like, oh, my God. So that 
is shocking. There's some bits which are truly grim, but if you feel up to it, then watch it. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, had to watch it on Ben's birthday, had to watch it on April 3rd, had to watch him be absolutely petrified when Darth Vader walks out of that door and he is the hardest man in cinema and he goes, oh, my lord. It's such a clever story for a story that we didn't think we needed, but was brilliant. Six Minutes to Midnight, Eddie Izzard, Judy Dench, Jim Broadbent, filmed in Sussex, There's a Beach. It's about the German high command's daughters at school. It's okay. It's nothing to sing from the hills about, but I'm glad I watched it and it's new content. Kingsman, Golden Circle. All I have to say is poppy, 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 dot, 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 and country roads take me home. I mean, if you've seen the film and you've heard those lines, you will know that they are hilarious and why they are good. The parole officer watched this because it was one of the lowest rated and seen films on Letterboxd that I owned when I was busy recalculating what I had to watch. So I watched it and I haven't watched it in about six years and it is super awkward. And you look at it and you just think, oh, oh, really, really? But it's so funny and the jokes are brilliant. And it's if you've not seen it, the fact that they rob a bank but don't rob a bank is brilliant. And Coogan's just Steve Coogan being epic. It was on telly, so I watched Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Look, ITV is showing them all right now, so why not? It's timeless. And it always reminds me of when I went to go see it for a friend's birthday at the premiere at our local cinema, and it just makes me happy. And then I think, all oh, those kids are the same age as me. Mm, they've got millions, and I can only just about afford this flat. So, <sighs> bless them. But no, it always makes me smile. Then I watch Ghostbusters. If there's something strange in the neighborhood, I mean, this I had, I think I'd seen once before all the way through, but I'd never actually seen it as an adult, maybe as a kid. I've seen them two all the way through, but never this one. Um, not with common knowledge to remember everything, but I know I had seen all the key parts since being an adult. It's still funny. It's still good. It's Bill Murray being a little bit creepy, but you kind of forgive him for that in a weird way because he's Bill Murray. But maybe you shouldn't. But I still enjoyed it. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which will be my main review this month. Um, and I already have a review for this on my blog, so I'm just going to say that and move on. Um, Space Jam. I was looking for something which was about an hour and a half long on Netflix. And I saw that and I haven't seen it in years. Uh, the introduction took forever. Um, of the film before it actually got going and then there's not actually that much content in the film it's very much oh it's done quickly well which I'm guessing for kids in the 90s was quite oh yeah yeah watch this watch that so that was good um, but it's still a bit weird but it probably has inspired me to go and watch the new version when that comes out in a couple of weeks um, I watched The Matrix I've had this hankering to watch Keanu Reeves movies for a little while and my copies of John Wick hadn't arrived yet. So I watched The Matrix and watched it back and was busy looking for the Easter eggs and all the signs and it still holds up. And that CGI, as much as everyone now uses that, that's where it was first really used. And it's good. It's so good. And you just sit there and go, go on, Neo, do it, do it, do it. And also it's the first iconic version of what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Then I watched Save Ralph. Some of you are sitting there going, what's Save Ralph? Save Ralph, I need you to type in on YouTube. I need you to watch it. It's sad and it's sweet, but it proves a point. And that's all I'm going to say. Please go to YouTube and type in Save Ralph. Okay? It's got Efron, YTT and Gervais in it. It's four minutes of your life. Watch it. 
And finally, I watched the Truman Show. I'm hoping to host quiz night on this on Friday. So I've watched it and I've written down the notes and it's still, as much as I've told you my top 10 earlier, it's still up there as one of the greatest films of all time. It just doesn't quite get into the top 10, but there's only 10 spaces in the top 10. There's a time and a space to watch The Truman Show. And this week, I've really been feeling that I want to watch it for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, maybe because um, circumstances have changed or I just want to feel connected. I'm not sure. But The Truman Show is brilliant. You can all find it on Netflix. And hopefully, when I speak to you next fortnight, I'll be able to tell you how well my quiz went down. So that, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 films I've watched in the past fortnight. That is a lot of films. Um, there are reviews for Searching, The Nice Guys, Four Lions, Lost Girls, Rogue One, Kingsman of the Golden Circle, Harry Potter Year One, Ma Rainey, and The Truman Show all on my blog. You can read them and you can go and check them out. Right, let's get on to something else then, shall we? Let's discuss the BAFTAs, shall we? I'm recording this on Monday, therefore the BAFTAs happened on Saturday and last night, Sunday. So it's all pretty fresh in my mind. I've got a few opinions that I want to throw out, but it's just going to be a quick run through as to what's happening. Usually there won't be an extra feature like this, but as it's BAFTAs and it's award season, you know, why not? Now, usually when we get to BAFTA night and award season, I've seen them all or have missed very few. I will be at the cinema night after night, watching them all, writing down who's going to win what, what's going to happen here, is there going to be a shock? That's usually what happens. This year, because cinemas still aren't open, I haven't been able to do that. I've also moved out. I only have access to Netflix and all four and the iPlayer. I haven't bought Disney Plus. I don't have Amazon Prime. And at the moment, don't have Now TV. That might change before we get to the Oscars, possibly. But I've not been able to see them all. Therefore, this year, I'm a bit like the rest of you. I'm a bit in the dark. But I've been doing my best to get through as many as I possibly can on Netflix to see exactly what is worthy. And it is quite obvious from all the previous awards show, be it Toronto or Venice or Berlin or London, that Novadland is the favourite to win everything. And it nearly did last night. It got three of the big ones. It got Best Film, Best Actress from Frances McDormand, and Best Director for, and I'm sorry I'm going to mispronounce possibly the surname, Chloe Zhao. That's huge because she's a woman. The majority of Best Director nominees this year at the BAFTAs were women, which is amazing and is so inspiring that we are out there making such brilliant films and our voices are being heard and our stories are being told. And I hope that soon we're not having the conversation of the fact that Chloe Zhao has won a BAFTA for directing or that there's been more women nominated than men. It should be that we don't have to have that conversation. It should be one day that we just go, oh, there's a woman up for a directorship at the BAFTAs. And we'll go, yeah, okay, that's it. That's what we need to do. It needs to become the norm. So Nomadland is very clearly the front runner for the Oscars. And the BAFTAs have just confirmed that. Uh, Frances McDormand won Best Actress. Uh, best actor, very surprisingly, went to Anthony Hopkins. I've not seen it forever. I'm not sure where I can stream it from, but it's not available on Netflix over here. But what was more shocking than the fact that he beat Riz and Chadwick, who had won the rest of them between them, more Chadwick than Riz, but Anthony hadn't won. He'd won two, I think, up to that point. But this year's BAFTA ceremony was via Zoom. So 
surely you can attend that no matter where you are in the world, unless you are in the middle of a swimming pool doing CGI hanging upside down. Which was really weird when both Best Actress and Best Actor didn't appear on Zoom to pick up their awards. That was a little bit of a, oh, really? It's a bit of a snub, if I'm honest. I think I, can, I understand more why Francis didn't do it, but for Anthony, you know, he lives in Cardiff, doesn't he? Or He lives somewhere near Cardiff, I'm pretty sure. So it's not like he's in the middle of nowhere and he's got bad Wi-Fi. So that wilded me a little bit, but they weren't even there to collect the award by Zoom. However, to collect an award there by Zoom was Daniel Kayula, who is a legend and is so versatile. And I am so happy he keeps picking up this Best Supporting Actor Award absolutely everywhere. And he just turns up and he does his thing and he's like, hey, he praises everyone. And then he's a bit funny at the end. And we all just sit there and go like, yeah, yeah, that's Daniel. Yeah, he's good. Good on him. So happy that he's doing well. And I really can't wait to be able to find that film soon because I think it's coming to something that I'm going to be having soon. So I can actually watch that film. Um, not It's not often I sit here and go, ah, best documentary. I've seen one of them. It didn't win. Um, if you would like to read my review of The Social Dilemma, I recommend you do. It will then also make you want to turn off your phone and not touch it for four weeks. Um, I nearly deleted Facebook because of it, but it is such clever. It is so cleverly done. The fact that they're all talking about it and the fact that what they're saying is then being acted out. So you can then see how it's actually affecting real people's lives. That is really good. However, the film that won, My Octopus Teacher, which I've not seen, looks amazing. I've done some research on it over lunchtime and it's just oh no octopus it just follows us oh it's too cute but i loved their reaction as well but the fact that they just screamed and that people were coming in from all over the place because they're all just so proud that their little documentary had won this award and we're just like yeah yeah as an octopus shame they can't really get an octopus of after can they I'm sure I'll find it and go like, look, this is for you. This little golden thing is for you. So that was brilliant. The other thing that I really liked, other than the piano for Emerald Fennel's um, promising a woman background, was the fact that she had a chocolate bafta, whether it had come in a goodie bag that they'd sent her beforehand, or whether she decided to make one or she'd have one commissioned or she had an Easter egg and decided I'm going to make a hole in this, make it look like it's a bathroom and she'd top of it. That is so something I would do. I would so have a chocolate bafta. I'd probably have two. One to keep and try and freeze. Then whenever I open a freeze, I'd be like, oh, I've got a chocolate bafta. One to eat. What a masterpiece. What an idea. And it just, yeah, it made me smile. It really did. Um, I'm not sure why with no audience we had to have so many musical performances over everything especially to Liam Payne's one augmented in virtual reality and one in real life and that film that song didn't actually have anything to do with film it was just because they could that was a little bit random no offense to Liam it was a good performance but I was sitting there for a little bit going do we need this? Couldn't we have got rid of some of these musical performances? I understand the ones where it comes from music from films, but it could have been toned back a little bit. Which then brings me on to the fact that BAFTA, don't give out a BAFTA, the best song from a film. They never have. They give out best score, best sound, best mixing, not a song. No idea why at all. I've sat there for years and we've gone... Where's BAFTA for this? Where's BAFTA for that? I know that they sit around and go, like, oh, we already give out too many awards, but you give out less than the Oscars. You can give out that. Come on. I mean, it should go to Yaya Ding Dong. Every single song should go to Yaya Ding Dong this year. None of them are. But, you know, do that, BAFTA. Come on. But if we're talking about things that are changing, as well as the Academy voting system this year, which we'll get onto a lot more at the Oscars because they completely changed their rules this year. 
Um, I am so happy there is now a BAFTA for casting because someone's job is to sit there and go, hmm, you see, I like them, but I'm not sure if they're actually going to work for a while, so maybe they will. And do they actually bounce off that one? No, that person's been the chimney forms of that one. We can't have those two or two ever again because then we just look like we're typecasting. So I am very happy that there is now a casting BAFTA award. We are one step closer to a best ensemble, which would be good because the trial of Chicago 7 hardly won anything last night. And yet you watch that film and everyone is on the top of their game and you just sit there and you just go, yes, come on, we can do this. And you feel empowered watching it and you think, ah, freedom of speech might be able to progress and move forward even now, years upon years later. But they, as a collective, haven't been awarded. And because there's so many other brilliant standout singular performances in other films, they're not going to win. BAFTAs, they only work as a whole group. So one day we will get to this point where they sit there and go and be best ensemble, like we do with the Screen Actors Guild. You know, you are awarded first. Why aren't you awarded at BAFTAs and Oscars the same? One day that will happen. I am so happy that Soul won Best Animated. It's Beautiful. It's probably also why Graham Norton didn't present because he was in that film. <laughs> but uh, it was so lovely and it was just warms your heart and it makes you cry and it's Pixar all over the place and it's just quintessentially them and basically as much as Onward was good and whichever the other film was, it was one about walking wasn't it um wolf walkers yeah wolf walkers i haven't seen that yet but what i've read and seen about that it sounds like that's okay but it's a bit odd to me but one i know one of my friends has watched someone ask them about it this week and then get back to you in two weeks time when it gets to the oscars probably but i'm so happy that soul did so well noel clark's speech was absolutely brilliant. It didn't happen on the Sunday show. We showed it at the end, but it happened on the Saturday show. And the fact that he wanted to apologise for when he won years ago for being so arrogant and then decided not to because that was who he is and that he should be proud to be that excited says so much about man, so much about how far we've come forward. No, he wasn't going to apologise for it because he was happy even about looking back in hindsight. And he's proud of what he's made. And like he said in his speech, you know, some of his work isn't BAFTA worthy, but the way that he's broken down barriers and he's been such an advocate for inclusion and um, equality and writing parts for different people which are like him on people that aren't like him and then being in the mainstream and doing it for TV and film and theatre and writing and producing and directing. He does it all. And okay, yeah, he is saying that it's not all, he's not going to stand there and get his little girl on the statue. He knows that. But he knows that being recognised by BAFTA and having those stories being told does then inspire the next generation to go out and do the same as him, which is absolutely fabulous. And the fact that he ended it by saying that instead of going, yes, you can, like he did all those years ago when Barack Obama was getting into power. The fact that he said that it is still inspiring about you sitting on the sofa right now. You listening to me? Yeah, you. You can do it. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, because if I don't try it, I won't know. This could all fall apart. It's, it's wasting a couple of hours of my time a fortnight. It may waste 25 minutes of your listening time once a fortnight as well. But I don't know until you until I have a go. And that is inspiration. And that is why he deserved the award. Ang Lee also deserved the BAFTA Fellowship. I have not seen enough Ang Lee films. I am sad to say to actually have an opinion on whether he deserved it or not. I, he probably does. But I have not seen enough of his films to be able to sit here and confidently go, yeah, Ang Lee, brilliant. Right, we are also going to have a quick chat about um, Baby Teeth because it didn't win. It was up for a couple and mainly it was up for Best Director and it didn't win. And I knew it wasn't going to win. 
But I was just so happy when it came up on the screen and I sat, I just raised my wine glass and went cheers and tweeted about it and was so happy that it was just there being considered. And then what made me even happier was the fact that this morning when I woke up, I had notifications on my phone were me talking about how I was upset that Baby Teeth didn't win, but I was so proud that this film was so brilliant um, that I had messages from the lady that directs it, Shannon Murphy, and that made my morning. That set me up for my Monday, and it was brilliant. And that, those are the small things that make you want to carry on. You read those things and you see the nice comments on Twitter, and then you get the nice reply back or you get a like and you just feel, ah, yeah, someone out there is listening to me. Brilliant. That makes you feel good. And that's what I think Baby Teeth's energy brings to people as well. As much as it's sad and heartbreaking, that's what it does for people. It inspires and it helps them to know they're not alone. Um, Hugo was on fire, as always. Uh, Pedro Pascal looks classy. Those glasses, oh my gosh. But the overall style of the night. Other than wanting to give them a hug, which let's be honest, everyone in the UK does want to give them a Lyria hug, was looking at Tom Hiddleston. And that is all I'm going to say about it. I'm pretty sure if you read my Twitter feed, you know what my opinions on Tom Hiddleston are. And that was what happened at this year's BAFTAs, the 74th Annual Awards. So few shocks, a couple of people no-showed, too many songs, was the right vote split across two days, people should have turned up to accept the awards, but at the end of the day, Nomadland won, and we were all expecting that, and we're all now going to move on to the Oscars in a couple of weeks' time. So it's time to move on to the mini-reviews. You actually get to hear my thoughts on what I've watched in a bit more detail than just a quick run through that you've just heard about 15 minutes ago. So let's start, shall we? I watched Searching for the first time in a little while. You'll be able to find the Cinema Club review for this on my website. Um, but I know this isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's also a bit bad, but I've also been watching a lot of films when I was going through my list earlier, where I've realised that it's to do with missing people is a little bit concerning however John Cho is on fire it's one of those films that I wasn't meant to watch I discovered it by accident that's what happened um I was going to see another film a secret cinema film at the time when I first saw this and I watched this beforehand to kill the time before that film started so I knew it was about social media and how social media can help try and find people and sort out their lives and make you look for it a bit more but uh, I had no idea it would be so intense. I had no idea how it was all going to be cut and edited together. And it really is one of those films where you truly do immerse yourself in it. You do sit there and think, oh, God, would my parents be able to find me if this happened? Um, will, would the world continue to go on? Is it one of these, ah, this is happening and that's happening? But it's just you just get so involved. And you just sit there and you just think, oh, my God, this actually happens to real people in real life. And you just sit there and think, ah, but it's completely worth the watch. Um, and this is where I also tell you about my Easter egg for the week. There are so many Easter eggs in searching. But basically, it is an Easter egg in itself. If you are really paying attention to all the stuff going on behind all these screens in this film, which aren't actually to do with the plot, there is so much other stuff going on. There's a UFO invasion. There's someone trying to meet someone, there's people being name drops and other films being referenced. It's really full on, full of Easter eggs. And it is, there's some that are linked in a plot, there's some that aren't. But if you're being properly nerdy and you love doing your Easter egg collection, especially after you've watched all these Marvel films over all the years, it's one that you can properly collect, get all sorts of fan theories from. It's disturbing, it's bit grim in places and it really does make you think about how social media does affect your life so I seriously recommend you watch this film try and find it wherever you can I had no intention to but I watched Four Lions 
um, which you've heard me talk about, and the review is available on my blog, um, mainly because I was thinking, where's this going to win that BAFTA? need to watch the film again. And it just happened to be on film four after I'd finished watching something else that I was playing catch up on. People aren't going to like this film. They don't like the subject matter of it. They don't like the fact that it takes the mickey out of something that is rather quite serious and is quite disturbing and ruins people's lives. Terrorism does do that. And I completely understand that people don't get it. But what they fail to understand is that they are the world's worst terrorists. They are. And they take the mickey out of themselves. The whole Rumba Rapids and the camel that, that went to mosque and eating your SIM cards and dressing up as a honey monster. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, Riz Ahmed, when he stands there at the end of the month and it comes to his Oscar moment, and whether he wins it or not, he will still be sitting there, still have his little face, all going like, yay, I'm Riz Ahmed, look at me, I'm brilliant. Years ago, when I first watched this film, I said to my parents after I'd watched it, I went, one day, Batman's going to be up for an Oscar. And all that's going to be going through my head is that he was sat in that van singing Top Loader. And it's one of the funniest bits of British cinema ever. You know, they're so pumped. They know exactly what they're going to do. And nah, bit of Top Loader. Way dancing in the moonlight. It's wonderful. It's quite emotional way that he deals with saying goodbye and everything like that. But it's... As much as it's a taboo subject and it's not very well received by lots of people due to the subject matter, it does warm my heart. And once you get past that, you realise that actually this is a rather good film. Six Minutes to Midnight is the first film I have seen with Eddie Izzard in since she became a she. And it was a little bit odd to start with because she was a man. She was Thomas. She was a mister. She was a spy in world, at the start of World War II. And that was a bit odd. That took a bit of getting used to that they were referring to her as him. After a little while, you got used to it, mainly because that's what you've always known. But she's brilliant. She is absolutely brilliant in this. Um, and she just portrays this aura of always being calm and in control, being this spy in this film. Um, Judy Dench is brilliant as well. Um, you can never go wrong with any Dench, can you? She's always just top form, top class. So Dench on fire. I love the fact that it was set here in Sussex. There's always, there's always something nice that when you see it come up for it says like, oh, it's in Brighton or it's in somewhere in Sussex. You just think, I'm from there. That's me. I'm on a film map. Or apart from when I went to see Bloodshot and the entire cinema, when it just said East Sussex, just laughed and went, where the hell is that house? Um, the film, you can work out from the first 10 minutes on film exactly how it's going to end and exactly how it's going to go down. That is its one downfall um, that you know quite early on while working bits out about ah this is going to happen that's going to happen so that's a bit of a mm, it's average i would say but it's new content and it's content that's brave enough to actually release and still have um links to being at home and not just be an indie film but actually try to break barriers and break doors down and give you a little bit of a history lesson at the same time so in that respect, and the fact that there is little content at the moment, I would recommend that you do watch this just for a bit of variety right now. Finally, we're going to have a chat about the parole officer, um, which I said earlier in my um, mini review that it was um, a film that had, well, in my run through that it's a film that not many people in Letterbox have actually found. It is a British comedy with Steve Coogan in, and he is a, Parole officer. I'm going to spoil this for you all, by the way, because it's been out for years. Um, he is a parole officer who's wrongly accused of murder by the police, um, but it is the superintendent that actually committed the murder and is actually involved in this crime syndicate and basically frames him for it. So he, being a parole officer, 
gets all of his ex-cons together, who he's sorted out and put on straight and narrow and convinces them to rob a bank. And they rob the bank because the bank's got the tape with the murder being committed on it and the money that they've been laundering and links to the drugs. And it just goes from one hilarious mock-up ruining to another. And it's just funny. Um, one of the best lines is get when the little girl that they have in their group who's um, a juvenile who nicks cars, um, she, she nicks a van to break them out of prison and she's sprayed on the back, it's Kirsty, get in. But they read it in the block, so they go, it's get Kirsty in. That's funny. It's better when you actually see it in the film than how I've just explained it because you'll think, but it ends up with a huge showdown with um, the police officer being awarded for saving Kirsty's life in a previous car accident. And um, they turn up at the event with the tape and show it to the world that he actually murdered it and that it wasn't just um, um, him posing as a corrupt cop. He did actually kill the man and he's not actually been wasting police time. And it's hilarious. And any film that ends with David Bowie deserves to be high on a list of films you watch. I think 2,000 people have watched this on Letterboxd. So please, let's try and boost this up to 3,000 at least. Come on, people. I know you want to. You can do it. And that is my last mini review. So let's now move on to something else. We are now five weeks, or now a little bit less than five weeks, away from cinemas reopening. Woohoo! Thank God for that. I can't wait to spend my summer either at Beach Cinema down the road, which I've walked now, it's a seven minute walk from my flat, or at a multiplex or a local cinema in the dark watching all of these films and ticking them off, letting you all know that Cinema Club is reopened. It's going to be fabulous and I can't wait and I keep getting messages from people going like do you want to come see this do you want to come see that so I can't wait and you're gonna be really angry when cinema club starts because it's definitely one by me saying go see this go see that go see that you think this is bad right now so at this point I normally tell you what is number one at the UK box office but once again and for the next two more reviews and podcasts there isn't going to be one, but hopefully in free time, there will be. There will be a film top of the UK box office. So I'm here to tell you that as of right now, on the streaming and sales chart, um, Wonder Woman 1984 is still top of the chart. Still haven't seen it. Um, hopefully when I get now TV in the next couple of weeks, it might be available on there. Second place is Soul which you've just heard me talk about in the BAFTAs, so I'm pretty sure you all know my opinion of that. Then it's Godzilla, King of Monsters. Um, I've not seen that. I'm sorry. I know it's got Brian Cranston in it. Uh, that's about it. Um, then there's Spider-Man Far From Home at number four, which I'm amazed is still in the top ten. I don't think it's actually ever left because I think it was the last film to come out before everyone went into lockdown in the first place, so good on it. And then finally is Scoob, the remake of Scooby-Doo, which I've not seen. Um, but I'm looking at the picture right now, and that dog does look kind of sweet, so I can understand why. But it has been Easter, so I can see why it was quite a few family-friendly, and people, people have gone, ah, you know what, for Easter weekend, we'll buy this film so you can all watch it, or we'll go and get this streaming service for the next month while, you're all, while, you're, while you've all got time off. So it's quite a family-orientated book. Um, not box office, um, streaming and sales, chant top 10. There's also Trolls is on the list. Um, the Harry Potter Complete Collection is in top 10. Um, there's Moana's there. Uh, Frozen 2's re-entered at number 22 and Peter Rabbit's at 23. The Greatest Showman's still knocking about good on that. Uh, Tenet's had a bit of a drop, which is a shame. But overall, Wonder Woman is still your biggest selling film for DVD and streaming in the UK right now. And now it's time for the main event. Yay! 
I've watched 17 films this week, so trying to pick one to single out, I thought was going to be quite hard. It wasn't in the end. It was between two. And I thought more of you would want to hear a bit more of a larger opinion on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom than you would Six Minutes to Midnight. That's why that is also a mini review. So this is what we're going to talk about for the next five minutes or so. Um, I have already posted this blog on my website, which you can view. Um, so that's saying most of it, but I will just go over a few points that I make on there for you because, you know, that's the kind of, it's a nice kind of thing I do. We, first of all, need to talk about Chadwick. We really do. This should be Viola's film. It's not. She is outshone by Chadwick. And even if he was alive, she'd still be outshone by Chadwick. I like to watch films and think and not think that, ah, oh, he's putting this performance and now he's dead. So therefore it makes it a better performance because it was the last one he did. Not always the case, how all actors that their last performance happens to be their greatest piece of work ever. But for him, it was. And he was such an inspirational man. And all the stuff that he did to make people feel happy and give time and the fact that, you know, he was always in Wakanda forever for everyone and just made people smile and set up all these foundations. And you just sit there and you just think, you are an extraordinary person. And you're gone. And I think that's why when that Love Cinema advert comes on the TV or the cinema, everyone just always sits there. And when he appears, you will just go, oh, because you do, you don't realise that you miss him, but you really, really do. He is outstanding. Some of his monologues and some of his speeches in this film are some of the best acting. And they're quite wordy and they're quite vivid and you've got to go through a lot of emotions because he starts off in a high place when he goes all the way down and it's depression and he goes back to being normal and it's the whole roller coaster of this range you just watch it and you just think oh oh mate you're putting yourself through all this while putting yourself through your own trauma in your own life and it's inspirational and you can't not say this man doesn't deserve every award if he was alive he would still be winning all these awards it doesn't matter that he's dead he would still be getting nominated for all of this and winning the majority of them. So he nails it. That's not to say Viola doesn't nail it. Viola is, ah, oh, you watch her. And I've watched quite a few films in the last couple of months with her in from Widows and Suicide Squad and a couple of other things as well, Fences I saw again recently. And her range is so varied. And you watch her do this and you just sit there and you just think, wow, love, wow. She's just fabulous. I mean, the fact that that hair is made out of horse hair, like actual real Ma, is brilliant. I mean, as much as she was a large lady and was sweating in the thingy in real life as well as in the film, that horse hair would really make you want to sweat. Just a normal wig on a night out makes you just think, oh, my God, it's hot in here. It's warmer than it normally is. But she is absolutely stunning and deserves all the accolades that she is getting as well. The other huge thing about this film is the fact that it's talking about race and how our attitudes towards it have, um, back then were atrocious and now aren't much improved. We like to think we've all made an improvement, but I think with everything that's going on in the world, which obviously I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but there shouldn't be an issue anymore. It's like when we're talking earlier about that, ah, oh, we sat there and went, ah, Clary Zhao's won Best Director, woohoo, a woman's won Best Director. We shouldn't have to have a conversation about the fact that, ah, oh, there's still um, people being persecuted and not being treated equally in any race of life in any way shape or form be it your male female black white gay straight queer whatever you are you there is no reason you can't be unequal to someone else and this film shows that in the fact that when her car's hit they're going to arrest them and then they wouldn't go to the shop. And then the songs were given to that band. Um, it was just, oh, and it was just the attitude that 
white people had to everyone else, which really made me feel angry and really despondent. Um, I don't actually know. I, I, I've been to America, but I've been to um, very, oh, I've been to New York. That's it. Um, I've not been to anywhere south or anywhere where there's any major problems like that so, or have a big enough knowledge of the history of this to actually understand why it was important that this was okay so I should have probably done a bit more research before I watched it but I really wanted to watch it before the BAFTAs because I really thought it was going to win I thought that if anyone was going to beat Riz it was going to be Chadwick um so I will do some more research on it um but I know that attitudes need to change but that doesn't stop me sitting there from thinking it's got some stunning acting performances in. It's really well crafted. The lighting and the cinematography is beautiful. The costumes and makeup's just outstanding. And it finished, and I just thought, whoa, that's an acting Oscar film that is made for award season. That is my podcast from fortnight thank you all so much for listening um i know this has been a bit of a longer one than last week um obviously in future we won't have 15 minutes chatting about baftas in the middle of all of this so that will be changing um also i am getting used to how i'm doing this so that will be um what i look at going forward and thinking ah is that too long well how am i going to change it do i need to do this run through do i need to do that so thank you for bearing with for the first full podcast um you know where to find me by now on twitter it's at popcorn underscore four underscore one and the blog is popcorn for one um where you can find me there um and that is that thank you all so much for listening um, I will see you in two weeks' time. I will be three weeks away from cinemas reopening. And that's that. So long. And thanks for the fish. See you later. <laughs>